0: we talked about um, the details with which God went through to prepare um, these different ways that ministered to him. So talking about the sacrifice of a ram and how to cut it and how to burn it and how to do this. And he was very specific with the details. And we talked about how details are important to God. Would you come to um, a restaurant and enjoy being served by a server who's in their pajamas? And look like they just rolled out of bed. No, that wouldn't feel like they were cleaned up and prepared to serve you or minister to you as a server. What it means to minister is just to serve, just to serve. So we're talking um, today again about ministering to the Lord. But the take um, on it today is that ministering to the Lord requires a fast. And we're not just talking about a fast from food. We're talking about abstaining from things that God would reveal would be something he would want you to set aside um, in order to minister to him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that I would just fade out and your word would go forth and accomplish that in every life present here and that for which you've wanted to in their lives. We are desperate to hear from you continually, Lord. It's your voice that we long to hear from. So I pray you would speak, Lord Jesus. Taylor, make this message to those present here and that they would hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Oftentimes we view ministers um, as ministers to people, but ministers are first ministers to God. That ministers first and foremost need to minister to God. I remember Beth Moore, who's a Bible teacher, um, saying one time, Lord, never let my public zeal outweigh my private zeal. That my life hidden in you in the secret place would be as passionate and as zealous for you as I am when I'm in front of people or when I'm doing the thing, the ministry outside of my private life. And I, I know that's the cry of my heart, that I would be as passionate in private as I am in public because the Lord wants people that not just minister to people, that, but that minister to him. He's looking for ministers. Why does God want more ministers? And what, are, what we're going to talk about is what do priests do? It says in Revelation that through the blood of Jesus that we have been washed clean as kings and priests to minister to the Lord. Back in the New Old Testament, it was talking about all these things they had to do to sacrifice to be able to minister to the Lord. But Jesus has come. He's paid the ultimate sacrifice. You have been washed clean, and now you are a king and a priest ready to minister to the Lord. Amen? We are going to talk about what do priests do. And I'll review with you right now out of Exodus 28 some of the things they did to consecrate themselves. themselves. So it says, You shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him. You shall anoint them consecrate them and sanctify them that they may minister to me as priests. It also says in Exodus thirty thirty, and you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priests. Then we didn't share this last week, but it says in Jeremiah 33, 22, As the host of heaven cannot be numbered, nor the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the descendants of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister to me. So does God want more ministers? Yes, he does. He wants people to minister to him. Now we are going to read out of Acts 13. We are 13 chapters into the history of the early church. And in this setting, they aren't ministering to people, but to the Lord. In this setting, they are not ministering to people, but to the Lord. So we'll pick up in Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted the Holy Spirit said. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. Now a fast is not just about food. A fast is about God giving us details about what or To fast or what not to consume. So, in some of it, it's food, but there's other times when God is just addressing with us things in our life that we need to set aside because we know the flesh is strong. Do you know that your flesh is strong? And the flesh wants to rule. So, sometimes a fast is about saying, flesh you are not going to rule in this situation. I am setting myself apart and resisting you so that I can minister to the Lord and in the way in which he receives ministry. The flesh is strong. It gets in there. I know my flesh is strong. I am very strong and I want to do the things that I want to do. Even when I, you might have various things that were in you but say coming to your time of devotion you've set aside the morning time to minister to the lord to worship him to sing to read and i don't know about you but things will just want to come up right before i'm about to go into that time with the lord and i'll think i just got to do this one last thing i need to i've been needing to call kaiser okay you know Like I have four kids and one of them needs an immunization. And it'll just spring up right at that time when I'm ready to get before the Lord and minister to him. Those things will come up. You know what I'm talking about? And your flesh, if you don't deny it, to want to just put things in order and do its things, will just dominate all that precious time for ministry to the Lord. And he knows this. Now look at um, 1 Samuel 2, 12 through 17. We're going to read here. Now, the sons of Eli, Eli is the high priest, and he has these two sons. They did not know the Lord. Well, how could you be a priest and not know the Lord? Well, I would tell you what, there's a war right now, I would say, even in Christianity, that people would confess they could grow up in the things of God, but the way they're living is not set apart. It's not honoring to the Lord. They're not doing the things that God would have them to do, and they're just deceived. I had a word in my spirit this week that there's an illusion that people think they're living for God, they think they're born again, but they're really doing it their own way. And they've been turned over into their own way. And they're far from the things of the way God would have them to be living. Here it is with these guys, these two priests, these sons of Eli. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or the kettle or the cauldron or the pot. And the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest would come and say to the men who sacrificed, give me meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, they should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires. He would then answer him, no, but you must give it now. And if not, I will take it by force. Therefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. You see, their flesh was very strong. We're going to take it by force if you won't give it to us. And the flesh can be like that. When you're getting ready to minister to the Lord and the things of God, you've got to put your flesh in check. And that's what the required fast is about. Oftentimes, a food fast puts your flesh in check. You ever done a fast? Sometimes it requires a fast. I remember one time Joel and I did a 14-day fast because we were needing to make some decisions. And as we fasted and resisted our flesh, clarity came on the decisions we were making. And oftentimes it requires a fast to minister to the Lord in the way that He receives ministry. I'm going to get into this, you guys. It's going to be good. Hang with me. Hang with me. Can we minister without a fast? Yes. You can minister without a food fast, but God will require something of you. Even in the details here, he'll tell you, now, don't eat the fat. And sometimes the Lord will do that with you as he's trying to gather your heart. I remember when I first started walking again with the Lord, and he asked me to cut out certain music from my life. Now, to some of you, might, that might not be a problem, but for me, coming out of a season where there was certain music and sounds that would take me back to places where I wasn't walking with God and worshiping Jesus, God asked me, kind of like, cut off that fat and don't partake of that. And don't do it your own way, Anna. Don't think that by engaging in that music that you can just um, press into the things I have for you. It was really a distraction to me. And as I wanted to come and minister to the Lord, he spoke. Now cut that off. And he's saying the same thing here. The reason he gives these details to you and to I is because the flesh is strong and it gets in there. Now look at um, what we just read. He says, how could these young priests, these sons of Eli, how could they not know the Lord? How could they grow up in Christianity and then compromise and saying, why do we get rid of the fat? That's the good part. We want to eat it all. They started having their own ways. It starts subtle. They started having their own ideas of the way that things would benefit them. You ever met people like that? They start not measuring against the Word of God but they have their own ways. Well, I just want to do it like this, but I still want the abundance of you, Lord. I still want your love and your favor, but I want to do it my own way. Well, we cannot live that way and expect God to honor and bless us. He is creating through his word a pathway, a gateway to your greatest fulfillment, the gateway to honor. It says if you honor the Lord, he will honor you, but we have our own way, don't we? The flesh gets strong and we still want the outcome, but we don't want to do it the way God's telling us to do it. Well, it's not going to be that way in this house because the word of the Lord is coming to us. How do we minister to the Lord? We do it his way. We cut off those things. We abstain from those things. We fast those things that are in hindrance to him. For some of us, it's food. For some of us, it's music. For some of us, it's various relationships that defile us and bring things into our heart that don't belong there for us to be clean and minister to the Lord. We could almost call this message looking out for number one. Looking out for number one, right? We all do that. We we got our own agenda. It's like the tithe. When God says He loves a cheerful giver, and we but we get our income, and then we say, I can't give you that first ten percent. Do you see my needs? Do you see my situation? We're looking out for number one. But God promises in His Word, if you will bring to Me the first fruits of all your increase, I promise to open the windows of heaven over you. But we get in our own way, right? No, I need that money. That ten percent can do. more for me, God, than the 90% entrusted to you. And then we compromise and we walk away and then we stop ministering to the Lord in the way that ministers to him. And then we cut off connection. And then we wonder, why do I feel far from you, Lord? But he's given us his word. Some people say, oh, that ancient book, yeah, that ancient book. It says he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He wrote this book already knowing the end. It's timeless. It always makes sense. It's always relevant. It's not an ancient book. He re- wrote it with the end in mind. He knows it. It is always fresh, alive, living, and active. I know when Pastor Kelly was here and he played that music. Um, as he was ministering and reading a text. It was so powerful, so intimate, so alive. The word of God is like that, and it's alive for you today. And if you follow its precepts, if you meditate on the word of God, if you feast on him, you'll never be famished. You know why you're famished while you're starving? Because you're not feasting on the word of God and acknowledging his ways and following his ways. We have our own way, don't we? I think of my little son's. You know, if we're dishing up ice cream, I get I get the um, I'm getting so dry. I start yelling at you guys. I apologize. Get fired up. Sorry if I'm. Yeah, so I'm going to pour out ice cream for my kiddos. And anyone have kids, you know? So I pour it all out and I put the syrup and I decorate it just perfectly. And what do you think the kids do? What do they do? You parents know. They yep. They come looking, they want the biggest portion. The flesh is strong, you know. You're looking out for number one. You want the biggest portion when you go to the ice cream truck. My kids don't even care the flavor. They just want whatever's the biggest, and we can be like that, right? We're just like, they're just looking, what is the biggest thing on this menu that I can bring home? The flesh is strong. My kids are like that. It's like that with our tithe. Sometimes we want to do what benefits us. So we say, Lord, I'll bring my giving because it promises that you'll open the windows of heaven. But the heart of giving is just that it honors the Lord that it honors him. You know, I don't really struggle with the tithe anymore. It's such an honor. So when I'm, we give online. And so I'll text Joel as soon as I'm ready to submit our tithe. And I just say, I put the little prayer emoji and I said, I just gave our tithe. And he just, we pray, we stop and pray. You know, we consecrate it to the Lord. It's an honor to give to the Lord. I never concern myself with the outcome of that. I just bring it because it's honoring to the Lord. And yes, he does open the windows of heaven and yes there's promises but first and foremost it's my desire to minister to the lord to honor him and i know that the tithe is one way that the bible has laid out that it ministers to him that he receives the tithe and that's a ministry to him sometimes we give the tithe but we're not cheerful about it or we'll do things to the lord but our attitudes stink you know what I mean? It's like my kids when they do something, but they're like grumbling. One of the boys, I make them take out the recycling. And it so blesses me when he doesn't talk back or complain about it. And he just, with, with a quiet mouth, he did it this week. It was so sweet. He gets in from school. This is my son, Jude. And I said, I had a pile. I had like gone to Costco. You know, you unpack Costco. And there's boxes of everything. So I had stacked them all up. And I said, son, could you just take all of that out to the recycling bin? He dropped his backpack. He didn't say a word. He didn't grumble back at me. He just served his mom and did what I asked of him, and it blessed me so much. You know, they still will do stuff. My boys and my daughter will do stuff, but when they grumble about it, it doesn't bless me. God says, I love a cheerful giver. I asked Cameron one time. Cameron's our little blondie. If you ever see him walking around, he's the one that's really hey, you know, he's the one that's really hungry for the things of God. That's all I can say is he just has a real hunger for the things of God. So one day I asked him, I said, Cameron, what is the tithe? You know, I'm thinking surely Cameron's going to know. He's the one who's listening in Sunday school. So he says to me, mom, the tithe is when I give my money up to heaven and God gives me the big presents. And I was like, Okay, don't tell anyone you're my kid, because I was just good enough to do the, the, the tithe and offering at our Anaheim campus, and clearly my son is not theologically sound. But in a sense, Cameron got it. Cameron got that he pours out, and God gives back. You know, he got it. But don't tell anyone that... But the Bible teaches us how to honor the Lord, how to minister to the Lord. So we give our tithe to serve the Lord. If Joel and I are married, and I tell him one day, you know, I love being married to you because when we file jointly on our tax return, that is such an amazing benefit. So let's stay married. No, we don't do it for the benefits. We don't do it for the benefits. I love being married to him. Those benefits are just add-ons. Anyone filing jointly? It's a good thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that's not the reason that I were married for the benefits. That's not why we tithe or honor the Lord. It's because we love him. Aren't we so blessed? Hasn't he been so good to you? I can't believe it. Sometimes part of my worship before the Lord is, as I just recall, seasons of my life. I'll go like, oh my gosh, Lord, I remember being 12 years old and being so nervous to move from Colorado to California. And I remember you let me stay at that Motel 6 with dad and my brother, and there was a swimming pool, and I learned how to dive. And I always wanted to learn how to dive, and your glory was there, and you were blessing me. And then I met my best friend, and in that church, and I just recount his faithfulness season after season, and I see you never failed me. You have never failed me. In all my life, I've seen the goodness of the Lord, and that's how I come, and I just want to honor you. Is he so good? He blesses us. He is so faithful, but we can be so self-centered if I'm being honest. We can be so self-centered and so self-serving. I know I was the queen of that. That's why God gave me four kids in five years. He said, woman, you think you're gonna serve yourself? I'm gonna give you these four kids so quick, you won't even have time to use the restroom alone. And then we'll see about that selfish heart. And, you know, he really rescued me through mothering from the very selfish nature. It started to be like from sunup to sundown pouring out for these kiddos. But I needed to be rescued because we can be so self-centered, but we are so blessed. But if we're being honest, God doesn't look out for, we don't look out for ourselves as servers, as ministers. We're looking how we can serve the one we're serving. We can say to God, God, is my life honoring to you? You can just stop and ask him, are my decisions being pleasing to you? Have you ever thought to just pause and say, this is the output of my life, a fragrance to you, God? Do you like what you're seeing? He sees everything, y'all. It's just, it's just gracious to ask him what he thinks about it, and he'll probably tell you. One time I was driving in my car, and I just asked the Lord, where are we at, God? What's going on? How do you think about this? I made these decisions, and he just, in my spirit, just said, thank you. He just thanked me. I felt like he was saying thank you for some of those decisions, and I just wept and wept and wept. Like here, the the he he is thanking me, but he wants to speak to us as we honor him. He wants to minister to us as we minister to him. It's this beautiful, beautiful relationship. Amen. Check in with the one you're serving. I worked in a restaurant. When I was in my, about 20, I grew up in Palm Springs, California, out in the desert. I got a job at California Pizza Kitchen. And at California Pizza Kitchen, they had an intense program for training their servers. I went through 14 days of training. After that training, we had a 21 points of service expectation at our restaurant. Every table, every time, you had to go through these 21 points. It talked about within the first minute, you greet your table hi good morning what can I get you to drink you check back after you check back you put these drink napkins and then it was like intense these 21 points of service so sure enough I'm doing this every table every time but we had these secret shoppers that would come in the restaurant and you wouldn't know who they were and they would evaluate you so I got called into my manager's office one afternoon and he said Anna you've been secret shopped and I was thinking nailed it like (laughs) right like I'm this I'm a rule follower I drive the speed limit I pay my bills on time you just got to know me it's like that's how I am I'm following the rules of this one he said Anna we have to talk to you Um, we found out that you've stolen from the company I'm thinking who are you talking you're not talking to me he said you got secret shopped and you forgot to ring the customer up for their coffee and so you gave away coffee And I said, no, 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 like his name was Sandy. I said, Sandy. And I didn't do that intentionally. I wasn't trying like, oh, here, the coffee's on me or anything. I must have just failed to remember. Everything in the restaurant had to be rung through the computer except for coffee. Because I got the coffee myself and had to remind myself to add it to the bill at the end well, I just failed to add it to the bill. Though I checked in with my guests, and that's what we're talking about. We're checking in with the Lord. I was checking in with the guest, but I failed to ring up the coffee. So you know what I did? I told my boss, I missed it. I really missed it in that situation, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on it. And sometimes we have those situations where God is beckoning us to things in our life, and we, we, we don't do it, we hear God, but we're, we're nervous, we're afraid, we're, we're concerned about something. All you can do is say, God, I missed it in that situation, but I want to make it right, and I want to live clean before you. Would you help me honor you? Would you help me do it your way? So you know what happened? After I missed it on that situation, I became like coffee ringer-upper like crazy. There was no customer who was going to sit at my table and get free coffee like ever again in my life. So I was on it, and guess what? He called me back in. He said, Anna, you got secret shopped again. And I was thinking, please, Lord Jesus. I pray that I didn't miss it this time. He said, you know what? You got 100%. I was like, yes. And I was getting ready to leave to the mission field, to Mexico. Um, with, and I was needing to sell my car and earn some extra money. Not only did I get 100% on that shopper's report. I had been entered into a California drawing for all CPK employees that got a hundred. And guess who won that thousand dollars? That was me. So God, if you honor God, if you honor God, he will honor you. If you bless the Lord, he will bless you. That is the results of it. But he, it's so neat to see. I, I just said I missed it in that situation at the restaurant. I just acknowledged it, and I saw God come around full circle, redeem it. They put my picture up in the hallway there. I had First, I was the loser, in a sense, stealing from the company, and then I it was redeemed, and God will do that for you. As you honor him and make his ways your ways, it will minister to him. And we're talking about the required fast, but I want you to hear me. Sometimes the fast is not just food, the fastest things that would hinder you from ministering fully to the Lord. Whatever would keep you from him, he might ask you to cut out. I want to read something else to you about, um, no, no, I'm not going to read that. I was singing that song this week, you know, um, a good, good father, you know, that song it's been on the radio And um, I was reminded, though I had a 21-point checkpoint of service at CPK and I missed it and they called me on it. That's not how our Heavenly Father operates. And the Good Good Father song says in one of its lines, I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. And that is our Heavenly Father. When I've ever failed to, to, to do it his way, and boy do I fail, my flesh is strong. I have never heard him condemn me or come badgering me in the middle. of It's a tender whisper that's come over my life in the middle of the night, just beckoning back into his ways, calling me forth into the things that minister to him that will ultimately bless your life. Amen? He is faithful and good. To minister to the Lord, you're going to have to tell yourself, hey, it's not about you right now. Just say it out loud. I talk out loud in my minivan all the time. I am that mom driving down the street. If I'm warring against something, if something is heavy on my heart, I am a voice activated woman. You know how there's some things that are only voice activated. I am a voice activated woman. De- woman. I declare out of my mouth the promises of God so that I hear, so the enemy hears. And a lot of times, you know what I'm just telling him? And you need to do this too. You will not stop me you will not stop me. You say that to the adversary. I'm coming for everything that God has for me. I'm not like those who shrink back. I will obtain the promises of God. And use your mouth. Use your mouth to declare those things. In your darkest moment, in those heavy places, minister to the Lord with your mouth and just tell him, I'm coming after you. I'm going to do it your way. It's not about you right now when you're ministering to the Lord. You're going to have to fast. Maybe not what you want to eat, but what you want to keep. Oftentimes, God might ask you to fast, that very thing you're just wanting to hold on to, what you want to do real quick, your devotions. You want to keep that time. Time is precious. I was just talking to our leaders at a a leadership meeting. You know, the Bible says... To count your days or number your days. And and we it says that in Psalm 90. And and we all have been given time. Everyone has equal amounts of time. We all have 24 hours, but everyone's given a measure of emotional energy. And we pour those things out, and then we don't have it. And everyone has a different measure. So it's like if you're consecrating to the Lord precious time for him and then you pour it out and don't save it or preserve it for him you can miss that you do that over time and you find yourself disconnected from the things of God you've got to guard yourself from setting aside that time and tell your flesh flesh you cannot have this portion You cannot have this portion. This is set aside for God. I want to remind you of a story, the story of Achan. When Joshua had brought the people over the Jordan into the promised land, the first city they came to, God said to them, take nothing, no spoils, none of the gold, none of the choice garments, take nothing. The second city you conquer, you can take the spoils. But this first city, take nothing. You just... Do not take it and burn the whole city. So Joshua's doing that. He burned the whole city. But Achan, this one guy, he saw the garments. He must have been a clothes guy because he was into the clothes and he was like, there's no way we can burn that. He saw gold. He just started taking out a little portion and he hid it in his tent and God was very specific and God will be very specific with us you give that first fruits you consecrate that time you don't go do that he's very specific but sometimes we're like we're like Eli's two sons those priests but God we just want to do it our way we want the fat we want to eat the meat but we don't do it God's way we do it our own way so listen to what happens They say, burn the whole city, but Achan, he saw the choice clothes, so he took some items and hid them in his tent. The soldiers went to a little village to attack. A a battle, 30 men, a battle they should have surely won. They had God on their side. They went into this little battle. All 30 men lost their life. Joshua got on his knees, crying out to the Lord. He drops on his face before God. How could 30 men die? No one was supposed to die. That was such a simple battle. We should have surely overtaken them. Why did these men die? And they start, because Achan, one guy started compromising the word of the Lord and didn't do what was said. 30 men lost their life. There was a bereavement in the camp because these families lost husbands and fathers. And then Joshua is saying, basically, somebody sinned. Something has happened here because surely we should have won that battle. Something has happened. And they went through a process to see who had sinned. But Achan, he fessed up. He finally fessed up. He said, pretty much, I couldn't resist. Have you ever been there? You ever been there? You just couldn't resist. The temptation was too great. The struggle to, to consecrate and do what the Lord said just overtook you, and you compromised, and the, the havoc that wreaked. You know, Achan and his whole family lost their life. What's going on here? God basically is saying that the the judgment of the Lord came on them because they refused to honor and obey the Lord. Sometimes God will ask you to set aside even the very things that you want and need. I mean, this guy was looking like, I just need a little bit, just some gold and just some clothes. And he dishonored the word of the Lord and he disobeyed and look at the aftermath was a total mess. God sees everything, even our hearts. Saul, another situation, God tells him to go attack the Amalekites because these guys, the Amalekites, had done a brutal thing. They had attacked God's chosen people. And when they attacked, they didn't just attack the soldiers, they actually attacked the feeble ones, the older people, the ones who were slower. It was vicious. So God sent Saul, he said, You go after them and you attack and destroy them. But do not take, God said again, but do not take any of the herds. Do not save anything. Destroy it all. So Saul returns with what? Lambs, goats, a king. Did he obey the word of the Lord? No, he did not. He brings back kings, flocks, herds, sheep. He didn't obey the Lord. He partially obeyed. And how often we do that. We don't fully obey. We partially obey. And then he said, "God saying, I'm going to destroy your wealth. We change God's, like, his things he's telling us for our convenience. We're so uncomfortable that God would ask us to do certain things that we make our own plan in our own way and then expect to pass it off as, well, Lord, I, you know, I kind of did what you said. It's like kids, you know? Like, could you go clean up your room? And then everything's just stuffed under and... Who does that? Like my kids just like shove it all in some corner and throw a stuffed animal on top of it. Then you find like dirty baseball. What that is not that's partial. You I understand, but now you're going to have a consequence. No. We try to hold on or justify to our lifestyle. But God said no. God told Saul, no. Kill everything do what I said. And he only partially obeyed. And God said to Saul, you're done. What happened to Saul? David became king. A few years later, he was appointed. Saul, God was like, you're done, Saul. God is Alpha and Omega, I said. He is writing the scriptures with all of time in mind. These are not out of date principles, you guys. These are not, these are current. He has always been the end of all good progression. God's word has always been the end of all good progression. When He says to obey the word of the Lord, this is not an ancient book or ancient text. He's speaking to us even today. And when you heed the word of the Lord, abstain from things he's leading to you give of your first fruits any way he's speaking to you you will walk in honoring the Lord which ministers to him and then he comes around and honors you I tell you what sounds good to me fasting is not just what you want but what you think you need I need to get this done by this time I need to get this done by this time remember last week I talked to you guys about my little son Cameron wanting me to go on a field trip and that was going to minister to him. Well, I want to report to you that I fasted from my heavy to-do list to go to the Fullerton Arboretum on Tuesday with 43rd graders and I was there and you guys you should have seen Cameron. Here he is this third he held my hand through the whole field trip. I mean, he's a boy and he's a cute little like tough handball kid. He just kept looking back at me. I was there. I was ministering to him in the way that he felt loved. And I had to abstain from my lengthy to-do list in order to minister to my son. And God is the same way. He's saying, would you withhold those things? I know you have an agenda, but I'm asking for you for your time, the first fruits of your time even, as a ministry to me. Would you lay that aside? And you know what happened? Can I just report? I went into a leadership meeting that night, and it was so good. And I didn't have time to prepare like I would have wanted to. And I didn't have, you know, I didn't feel like it, but I felt like God met me. It's like he, like, redeemed that time. That is his good nature. So it's like I was at a field trip spending four hours with these third graders, and it's like God's spirit showed up at our meeting. He, I couldn't have done it, what he did, and that is our good father, you know? we can often say, no, I need this time, Lord. You know, I need this time. No, I really need this money. Do you know my situation? No, you need the Lord. You need the Lord. He is our greatest need. You wake up in the morning, every hour, I need you. Lord, I'm so prone to wander. That's always been, God, I'm so prone prone to wander and not do it your way. I need you. Every hour I need you. I need you to meet with me and help me. And he will. He will come like a flood. He will come and meet you and help you and enable you to live for him. You need the Lord. I need to minister the Lord. If we miss it, we can say sorry. I missed it on that 21 points. I missed one point at California Pizza Kitchen. I fessed up. I apologized. And you know what? God honored, and he made a way even to bless me into my missions trip. He's so faithful. You know, sometimes saying sorry is a powerful thing. Just coming before the Lord on those things where you feel like you failed it or missed it. When I first married Joel, I was just knew I was safe because those beginning years and he's still like this to this day if we would have a discussion or an argument he was always the first to say sorry you know he would just come so quickly and just say you know my tone right there or that situation I just want to let you know I'm sorry and he's still like that today I'm better am I better (laughs) no he's just a good man A good, clean man, and so that, and that's the same thing. Be quick to, to, um, to apologize. Quick to forgive. We got too much at stake, friends. We got to be quick on these things. So, if God is beckoning you into a level of worship and sacrifice, and fasting for His His glory, He wants to speak to you. There is something on the other side of that obedience that you so desperately need. That you need. Just trust Him just lean into him. You know, um, I was reminded to have this little thing up in my office. I'm just going to show it to you guys. Um, It's like an old paper. I've had it around. I post it up in all my various offices or if we move houses. It's a little crinkly now, but it's something I like before me. I'm going to read it to you. Never dread any consequence resulting from absolute obedience to his command. Never dread any consequence. When God says you bring your first fruits, don't dread the outcome or oh, how are you going to provide. You do what he says. Don't dread the outcome. Never fear any rough waters ahead, which through their proud contempt may appear to impede your progress. God is greater than the roar of the raging water and the mighty waves of the sea. You know, last week we talked. Talked about that, God sits enthroned in the praises of his people. And we talked about when we minister to the Lord, who is the one receiving the ministry? The one who is seated. When you go to a restaurant, as the server comes to you you're not standing in the server seat, seated you're seated you're receiving the ministry or being served so when the bible says that god is enthroned in the praises of his people he sits seated over that then the bible says in psalm 29:10 the lord sits enthroned over the flood the Lord is enthroned as king forever. And I just want to remind you, a storm is simply the hem of his robe, the, the sign of his coming, the evidence of his presence. Dare to trust him. Dare to follow him. Then discover the forces that blocked your progress and threatened your life. Become at his command the very materials he uses to build your street to freedom. God is doing something in the midst of us and he's doing something in your life and he sits enthroned over that situation. So don't dread the consequences when you obey the Lord. Don't dread the outcome. He is leading us, leading us into worshiping him. We're coming into Passion Week, friends. We're coming into the greatest love story ever told. This morning I woke up and part of my devotion this morning was reading through the days of the week of Passion Week. And if you just take time to remember what he's done, we've been so blessed. We're so ministered to, but he wants us to minister to him. And fasting and abstaining and putting your flesh in check, bottom line, ministers to the Lord. When you sacrifice and obey, when it's costly, to you. When you come trembling, even to your tithe, I want to encourage you. It says in Zechariah that we are, how great is this mountain, but God could level it like a plane. You might have a mountain of debt, a mountain of a problem, but God is saying, I could level that thing. A word from the Lord, a promise of God. He could level that debt. I've seen him do it for many people, but we got to come to the Lord. We got to obey his commands, his ways. If you want to reap